new beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. And happy to be here doing podcasting. Uh, we'd love to do that. I like to interview people and talk to people. It's what we do. It's what we do, right, Dr. Black? Sure is. And I love every minute of it. Excellent. And today we get to talk to another interesting individual. Her name is Alexa Norton. And she really recently graduated from Utah Valley University in public relations. She is currently working for Albion Fit, local Utah clothing company, where she manages one of their locations in Salt Lake City. Alexa suffered the death of her dad, Daryl Jean Norton, over three years ago in a skiing accident at Snowbird Ski Resort. She has recently started an Instagram account that focuses on the grief journey, and the account is at GriefShine. Alexa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I love uh, Instagram. I, I really do. I'll uh, shout out them. Uh, it's the amount of interesting people that I get to meet just through there and, and what they're doing. It's really beautiful to see. And I recently uh, saw your account that you did. I forget how I came across it. Um, but it's amazing. And I really enjoy the posts you do and that you're raising awareness on grief and really having important conversations with people. How did you, um, I guess, you know, before before we go into that and how you sort of went that way with your grief, let's talk about your relationship with your father, because, you know, that's the, the thing that has, you know, drawn you here. So what was your rela relationship like with your father? Um, yeah, great question. So I'm the youngest in my family. I have three older sisters and no brothers. So my dad was outnumbered by females, obviously, <laughs> but it was awesome. And I think it's interesting talking about the relationship with someone who's passed away because we often paint them as this hero, which of course they are, but there's also a person there. So there were some times that we didn't get along but that's just a father-daughter relationship. I think that's pretty normal. Um, but he was goofy and would embarrass me and made me nervous if I like was with him in a public place sometimes just because he was out of the norm to do different things. So, like, what do, you, what do you mean out of the norm? Can you give us an example? Um, oh, yeah. I would just <laughs> – I gave this example on another – like talking to someone else, but just for example, like probably going to a place and parking places that you're not allowed to park in. And I'm like, you're going to get in trouble. Like someone's going to get mad at us, but he would do it anywhere anyway, because he just didn't care what people thought about him. So like a <laughs> or, um, expected mother's parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yes. That's a great example. <laughs> or just, um, being loud and just saying things that you're like, ah, oh, you don't need to say that in front of a stranger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's just how he was. And now I really miss that, obviously, of making him like him just being loud and proud and not worried ever what people thought or cared about him anywhere. So, yeah, I admire that in other people because I, I, I find myself to be the opposite in a lot of situations i'm probably more like you and um <laughs> where you know i'd go to restaurants and like you know i don't like complaining about food or anything and but my dad oh. would he's 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 like you know he'll pull the waiter aside and be like yeah this steak is not done to this level and i'm just <laughs> i'm just embarrassed like oh goodness 
Right. It's like the example of, okay, I don't want this in my food, so I'm going to tell them. And they're like, and is everything on it okay? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but, he, but I've like already thought no, but he would be like, no, and be very exact or exactly like take it back. But I would never. Was your relationship with him in those regards like that for all your life or did it change? Um, Definitely changed. I feel like the older I got after I graduated high school, we got a lot closer. So I feel like in high school, he was just like a father figure. I don't know how to explain it. But then afterwards, I really think that like once you start to get older, you realize that your parents are people (laughs) and they make mistakes and they're human. And I started to see my parents as, I don't know, people instead of just like my parents. And it was interesting because since I was the youngest, my family, everyone had gotten married and I was the only one living at home. So it was kind of a bummer, but then it was an awesome opportunity for me to really gain a better relationship with them. Um, So it definitely changed over the years. Yeah, I see that also with my father um, before he died too. Is it was when I actually didn't change until got I got into university, and then my parents split up. Then he started. I started seeing him more as a person, as you were saying, and it changes everything. It changes what you listen to, how you how they interact with you, and I'm really appreciative of those moments. It was probably only two years that that change happened before he died, but I got to see the uh, a, a side of him that his friends saw you know, or other people saw. And I always had this closed view or boxed view on who he was. But yeah, there's just so much, so many things they've done, mistakes and issues um, that when you start seeing or asking about their own life, you know, like, (laughs) like what they did when they grew up or how they, you know, handled situations, then you start seeing this other side of them that you said makes them more human. Yeah. And my dad had a really rough childhood. Like when I share his childhood and I think about it more, then I realized, oh my gosh, that's why he had these issues in his life. Because my dad was adopted when he was nine years old. His father was murdered. And then his mom ran away from his family. So he, she left like four kids. And so when I tell the story, it almost doesn't seem real. Because I'm like, there's no, what? Um, but just hearing that growing up, like that was just his life. But now when I think about it, I realize, oh, there were some deep issues that he had, you know, abandonment issues and father issues and being adopted at nine years old and trying to adjust to a new family. That's hard. (laughs) So kind of wild when I think about that too. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And, uh, you're, I I think parents and speaking about, you know, my, my parents, like, I guess they, they, you have an image of them as like a hero and like you idolize them and growing up and then, you know, they are in control and in command of, of your decisions and, you know, they influence you in a lot of those ways. And then it seems like as a teenager, you kind of gain access to more information and, you know, you see the world a lot more and and that might change a little bit. Um, And hopefully down the road, you know, you, you, you hope that you can get a, have a, a more closer relationship again. Um, and sometimes, you know, it, it's difficult. Like I know talking to my father, there's certain things that, was, that were very difficult for him in sharing his past. Like he, um, I didn't know much, to be honest, until I was like 30. And, and then I st- I had to like start asking questions. Like, hey, what, uh, how'd you grow up? You know, how, uh, 
I had no idea. And then, you know, he's like telling me about his family life. And I'm like, wow, that sounds terrible. You know, it's, it's just like <laughs> the kids have to raise themselves. And like, you know, people have to. Um, my grandmother, my dad's mom, she was always sick all the time. And uh, it, it helped uh, help me understand an aspect of them and, and gave me more compassion for um, some of the some of the, I guess, uh, I guess, quote unquote, faults that I'd seen that I see in my father and thought, no, you know what? He's he's a human like mm-hmm. me and he's um, he's dealing with life the same way. And then it, it makes me it, it that's what it did. It made me feel a bit compassion. But, yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Like, when did you have those conversations with your father or did you find out after he had passed about his um, upbringing? Um, yeah, we definitely I have like known it I guess my whole life growing up because he was pretty open about sharing it but open and closed off if that makes sense because I don't think he would dive really deep into it but maybe it was also me that didn't necessarily understand the deep layers to his life if that makes sense and I feel like yeah after he passed away then I really it's kind of a bummer and super sad that that's when you want to know more about your parents life you know you're like, oh, I, now I have all these questions about how they were, what what they did when they were like this and how they lived their life. So I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. If your parents are alive, ask them questions about their past. But so if you want to see their humanity, yeah, <laughs> if you want to give one a pedestal, don't ask anything. Just <laughs> write it out. If you want to realize they're just people. Yeah. You know, and that's what happened, you know, when my father died, I started asking more questions about his childhood because I like, you know, in the field of psychology, you start realizing how all those events really shape who they become and, and what kind of beliefs they try to imprint on you. And I had a challenge of trying to undo some of those things that I thought were real or that I thought they were my beliefs, but they're really just his. And so I had to really look at his upbringing to understand why he wanted me to believe that. And that was surprising to me. And, and you realize how much pain and suffering he went through because different times, right? But he was like the type of guy that would like start fights at a bar, you know, like, <laughs> like I did not know that, right? Like, so you, re- you realize some things about him and uh, a lot of pain that he had too, because he also liked to drink a lot. And I could understand why, right? Like why he was addicted to that form of coping, which is, you know, a lot different than the way I went afterwards. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's a beautiful thing. But you, you know, he said like it, it's scary too, because you take them off the pedestal and you realize you're just like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like they, you know, they try to shelter us maybe from the things that happened to them. And uh, maybe like they probably give you, like they gave you, they give you a gist of it, like a events based, like, Oh, and then this happened, this happened, this happened, but they don't tell you how they felt about that or like the struggles or the pain of it. I don't know. And that's both my mom and my dad, to be honest. Like I, I, it both of them it's it's like pulling teeth with information (laughs) and then what happened and then how'd you feel you know and my mom my mom went to boarding school and like at a young age they uh you know i don't know probably seven eight they sent her to boarding school which is like you know like like four or five hours away like hey go to school over here and be away from your family and and i always think like how did that affect her you know she was very independent and very um to herself in a lot of ways as an adult well, Sean, you're a good podcaster, so you should be able to pull out all that information from them. <laughs> you would think, but uh, when it comes to family, it's, it's you know that's very different, right? 
And so where do you get information now? Because like um, I, I would I would talk to my uncle or try to get some information from my grandma. So like who do you go to now to try to find new information? Yeah. So definitely my mom, obviously she's my biggest resource of asking her, you know, about their relationship. Cause I feel like I knew a lot about it, but now I want to know more. And his journal, my mom has a lot of his journals when he was younger and those are interesting to read through. And then his sister and his brother, I think are good resources for me too to learn about how he was when he was younger. So that's a good resource. That's awesome. And what are you finding in his in his journals or writings or even in the stories that maybe um, interests you or, or maybe it's something that's funny or, or that maybe something that surprised you about him? Um, the one thing I can think of right now is my mom. She told me recently that when we were growing up and my sisters and I hit age like 9 to 10, 11, that's when he had a really hard time raising us because that's when he experienced his abandonment, like when his father was murdered and when his mom left him. So that was something I never knew that my dad obviously had to deal with when we were growing up. But my mom mentioned that and I just thought that was very interesting that that was a hard time for him to see us in that age group growing up as kids. So that's been interesting for me to think about. That is true because that's like at the time too, you're spending more time with friends and yeah. you're valuing them more. So you, it is actually, you are leaving the nest in a way. You're starting to. Yeah. And yeah. he probably would have felt that and then would have been triggered all those emotions. Yeah. Wow. So that's been interesting. And then um, what about when you started dating? <laughs> How was that for him? <laughs> you know what? My dad, I would love to say he was never one of those dads that was scary at all (laughs) like which sounds interesting but he was never intimidating with guy like boys coming over and taking me on a date i would think it'd be more embarrassing than intimidating (laughs) yeah (laughs) probably jokes (laughs) but yeah like you know how people are like yeah my dad's gonna like he was never one of those dads that he would be like are you gonna bring my daughter home at this time he's like okay bye have fun I think that's a smart method. Like, does it ever work yeah. if you ever tell kids <laughs> to not do something and put fear in them? I don't think that ever works. I think, right, I think like, if you're nonchalant about it, that'd be the, you know, better. Method. Yeah. Like, I remember getting home for my curfew at midnight in high school, and then he would still be up watching TV, and my mom would be asleep. This is terrible. And I'd be like, I think I'm going to go back out and hang out. And he'd be like, <laughs> okay, yeah, have fun. okay bye (laughs) but like it's sneaking out but he would know but my mom wouldn't so that there you go that's a good example of how he was that's cool i know you're married so did he ever get a chance to meet your husband yeah he met my husband um and that he they really got along really well they were I would say he would always say, yeah, we're so much alike. You know, we have so much in common. He reminds me of what I was like when I was growing up. <laughs> yeah. So he would look at my hus- my boyfriend at the time and he would be like, wow, he he's just like me. Like he if we put pictures next to each other, we're, we look so much alike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, OK, dad, cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> Thanks. That's awesome I- to hear. <laughs> I see what he's trying to do. <laughs> this guy's smart. He was smart, yeah. <laughs> he's trying to get you guys to break up. <laughs> <laughs>
but yeah, That's they good. got along. I'm happy they got to meet. Um, because I know you you met him when you were 14 or something. Oh my, yeah. Sorry, you talking? Yeah. So we met when we were younger in junior high, but we never dated until we were around um 21. That's when we started oh, dating. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we were just really good friends, but then we finally made the connection to date. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's so nice. And then so did he end up coming to the wedding or was that after your father died? So my father, yeah, my dad passed away May of 2017. And then we got married July of 2017, which I look back and it's kind of crazy that we that it happened still because it was obviously so hard. But we stuck with the plan. That was really hard. Wow. I didn't know it was that soon. That's crazy. So let's go to this first, I guess, the story of the loss. And then we can lead right into how can you even plan a wedding? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We like think about it now. I'm like, I don't even know how we did that. But um, yeah, so I'll share my story. So we are avid, like we were an avid ski family growing up. We ski at Snowbird Ski Resort, which is about 30 minutes away from our house. And my dad loved skiing. He would always be skiing. And when I was when I was born in 94, my dad experienced, he was T-boned in a car accident. And ever since then, growing up, he had terrible neck pain. He received surgery. But the older he got, the more his neck started just to be in more and more pain. And I remember him coming home one day from skiing and he said, it's so weird when I go skiing, my neck like doesn't hurt. I feel just like I don't have any pain or anything like that. So he went skiing one morning. It was spring skiing and my mom was going to meet him up there in the late, like later afternoon. I was working. I came home from work And there were cops at my house, which was really weird. And obviously your guard's going to be up if cops are at your house. Um, And they wanted to talk to my mom, but I told them my mom was going up the canyon, so she probably didn't have service. And they just said they needed to like talk to my mom about something and they weren't giving me all the information, which made me kind of upset. And the first thing that I thought was that my dad had probably like punched someone on the mountain like skiing just like gotten mad at someone (laughs) so i was like oh no like he probably punched a snowboarder and (laughs) i don't know what's happening (laughs) like that's what i was so nervous about which i feel like when i look back is actually a blessing in disguise that i wasn't nervous that something that like bad had happened um because they're like we just need to talk to your mom we have to tell your mom something so i was like okay so I kind of went on with my day. I called my mom and she said she would meet with the cops up at up at Snowbird. And I went on with my schedule. And then about an hour later, my mom came home and I just heard the door open and it was silent. And I knew at that moment that my dad had passed away, which is kind of crazy to say that. But I just he's a loud guy, like I kind of said and if something would have happened, he would have come in making a scene. And it was so silent. And my mom kind of came around the corner. And we didn't say anything to each other, but I could just see in her face. And obviously, since my dad wasn't with her, I knew. So I think what's hard is 
that he he was just skiing and when we got the autopsy report he had just broken his neck and so he died instantly which sounds it's crazy because I'm like he was such an experienced skier so I to give him credit I don't like to say like oh he had you know he didn't know what he was doing but it's hard because we don't know exactly what happened you know because none of us were there yeah and I think you know, I told my mom, like, what do you mean? Like, this is wild. Like, we need to go to the hospital. Like, there's no way he's actually gone, you know? And she's like, no, like, they said they tried to revive him, but he was already gone when they, like, got to the scene, the ski patrol and everything like that. So then, yeah, my family came over and we were just in our little bubble for a little bit, trying to figure out and just understand and deal with that happening. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> it's difficult, you know, like it, it's that suddenness of it, unexpectedness. Did you have any like regrets or anything that come up that you wish you would have said to your father or could have said? <laughs> the night before, uh, it's funny looking back at it now. The night before I made some tapioca pudding. I don't know why. That's like such a random dessert to make. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I went on a walk with one of my good friends and I came back home because I was still living at home and he had eaten half of my tapioca pudding. <laughs> so I yelled at him. I was like, I can't believe you. <laughs> I <like the> <laughs> and I, I was mad because he ate it, which is so dumb, but I was so <laughs> mad. And that was my biggest regret, <laughs> but it's fine now. Cause you know, my mom said that that next morning that I, I didn't see him that morning because I'd already rushed off to work. But my mom said that, you know, he was like, well, I probably should apologize that <laughs> I yelled at her. And my mom's like, yeah, she said sorry. He's like, well, now I have to tell her I'm sorry. <laughs> mm. That's uh, that's pretty funny. I like him already. <laughs> but um, that sounds like something my, bro like, my brother would do, like a fight with my brother about stuff like that. That's unfortunate. And like you said, you know, the fact it seemed like it was kind of like a freak accident in a lot of ways um yeah if he was such a good uh, avid skier i mean you don't usually hear about things like that i mean obviously skiing is dangerous uh, on a whole but you know obviously if he's done it before time and time again you know and and who knows with with, with his previous neck injuries and all that yeah you know that's um it's unfortunate to hear what was the next couple days or even weeks like it's honestly like a blur looking back you know because you're just so lost and like trying to figure it out I think one of the hardest things was that they put it on like our local news channel and put out a little um I'm trying to think like on online it said like man ski accident dies you know and so it said, like, this man in Mill Creek had died from a ski accident. So I think that was really hard to see, like, these things about my dad because it became so real of when people experience this accident. And I was so mad. I remember being so mad that these people had posted that because, obviously, to me, he wasn't just a man. Like, he was my father. He was my friend. He was my, you know, my protector, my this person in my life. And then there was just some article written, like, man dies and I was so mad because then we had to tell people sooner and I think you want it to not be real so you yeah. don't want to share it with people yet 
but I remember having to text people in my life so that they wouldn't find out through the local news. They would find out from me. And that was awful, you know, trying to form those text messages, like, because you that's not what you ever want to do, text your friends, hey, this is what happened to me today. So um, I think we stayed a lot, we stayed really close together as a family and did nothing, you know, like would just sit at home and days just like became weeks and out, like it was so weird to experience the next couple months, but you can't sit at home forever. And so I think getting back into life and realizing that people were still living and I was, I felt stuck in my life. So trying to figure that out and navigate what my life was going to be like now was hard, obviously. That's upsetting to even hear that they kind of reduced your dad to a headline. Yeah. And not gave you guys, the family, the control of letting people know. I think that's different, you know? Yeah. Because you, you need that. You want to be able to tell people on your own terms. But they kind of forced you into doing it um, in a different way, which again, if you hear that headline about your father, then that's upsetting. Yeah, sure. And you know, that's, um, that's interesting. Uh, what you're saying about just not wanting to being with, together, but not having anything, not doing anything, because like, you know, it makes sense. You're a major member of your family, your household, uh, you know, is not there anymore. And, and it, it's probably a really tough time to navigate through those waters. Yeah, totally. And so did it ever cross your mind to postpone the wedding? Because that's like, it was right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was May 3rd, and then we got married July 21st. So it never crossed my mind until I had family, my my fiance's family, ask that question, like, are you guys planning on postponing? And I thought, what? Like, that's even an option? <laughs> I had never realized, like, that was an option. You didn't know the but... pandemic was coming, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? Uh, so in my head, it was always like, well, that was the plan. And I, I'm a planner, so I like to stick to the plan. Um, so we kind of just stuck to it in hopes that, you know, I was like, well, my, my dad wouldn't have just, like, what do we wait a year? And then, and then I'm going to be happy. Like, this actually is never going to go away. So I have to just continue to live my life the best that I can with this new grief that's a part of me. So we kind of just planned the wedding. And obviously, it was like a really happy and really hard day at the same time. Because usually there's that tradition where either the the father (laughs) walks walks you down or there's that father-daughter dance. Like, did that trigger anything? Like, How did you manage to... To work through that um yeah just just try to I don't even it's hard to talk about because I don't even know how I did it I just look back and I realize like okay I have to realize that this is my real reality now and he's not gonna be here and I think that was really hard like realizing that he was he was there for my three old older sisters you know and they have those traditions and they have those things that they did. Um, but yeah, I just look back and realize that it was a hard thing for me and I had to had to just have the strength to do it. Did he get mentioned at all, like within the ceremony? Yeah, well, and yes, 
Yes, he did. And when people came into our reception, we had a, a table set up with pictures of him and, you know, flowers. So pictures of him and I, pictures of him, pictures of my husband and him. So that was what we did. That's a beautiful way to memorialize him and yeah. to make him a part of an event in which say he just couldn't, he just isn't able to be there anymore. Um, but I like that. I like, so like, I like how you did go through with it because you're right. Like in a year, two years, is it really going to change? And like, you guys are going to continue to be together and, and be in love. And so it's like, it makes it a different type of wedding in the sense of the traditional weddings you see on TV. You don't normally see anything like this on like a movie or a TV. So it's nice how you made it your own and you're able to memorialize him in your own way. So it's it's a very unique wedding out of all the sisters. Yeah. Thank way you. To stand, way to stand out, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Forcing to stand out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a that's uh wow. And so you know, after after all that, like, how's your grief been? So it's been three years, and we just mm -hmm. had, uh, and you created this uh, Instagram account. So how's that been for you in looking at your own grief? Yeah, it's been obviously a journey. Um, this year, it's been a good thing to look back and realize how far I've come and realize that it's just kind of a part of me now. Yet, it's not as heavy as it once used to be which I hated when people would say that because when you lose someone, it's so, so hard and you just want it to not happen. But it, grief has to become a part of you and you have to realize that it's going to be there the rest of your life. So it's been really interesting to look back and and see how far I've come, but see how far I still have to go and continue to live my life and continue to have those moments where obviously I am really... I'm really sad and I really miss my dad, but remember that, and it sounds so cliche, but that they really do want the best for you and they want you to be happy, but it's okay to also be sad in those moments that you want to be sad. Um, but just trying to live my life the best that I can. And the, the Instagram has been really good for me to experience and to be a part of the community that I didn't realize was there. So I really wish I would have done that sooner in my journey why did you start it because like it was probably what two and a half years before you started it and yeah, so like so what what came about for you to say you know what i'm gonna do this oh uh, yeah i don't even know what inspired me to do it but i just realized that i didn't want to just keep sharing things on my regular personal account because obviously that's something different but i wanted to kind of share with friends and family the things that I still experience because I think people almost they want you to be done and be okay you know they're like oh are you okay like oh, okay good we can move on from you like you're fine now it's okay but I wanted people to realize that yeah I'm really I'm okay now but I still have hard moments and I really miss my dad every single day still so um doing it for that reason it's kind of crazy too because yeah I did start it three years after he passed yeah, it's interesting, right? Like after you're not crying in front of them or they're not asking those questions, you're right. It sort of just goes out of their memory that it still affects you. And I, I like that aspect of it, like for you to have an account to say, no, it's still affecting me. And you're able to actually put it out there for people who do want to listen because not everyone does, right? And not everyone wants to be reminded also of their own losses if it is you know family members or, or whatnot. 
that uh, are maybe not not asking anymore. And so I think that's great. And I think it's, and your account looks very professional too, I must say, because some people, you know, they'll have an account and they start and they put pictures and stuff on, but you actually took a lot of time to make your memes, it seems, and yeah. to have like a, a professional kind of aspect to that. So it wasn't just like, I'm just going to post. It's like, are you going to post, but in a professional way? Oh, thanks. I mean, it helps my husband's actually a designer. So I feel like I show him things and then he helps me. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, I'm just looking at the page right now. And I think the biggest takeaway for me is that, you know, you're providing tools for people who maybe don't know much about grief or haven't been through a death themselves on how to approach a person who's had a loss or who's had someone die in their life. Because that can be very difficult. And I, I, I find that in my life where sometimes... I will talk to people about the podcast and I could see it in their eyes that they maybe haven't had loss, like a, a personal loss like that. And so then they wonder like, Oh, wow. Why did you start that? Like, it seems like a hard conversation or it seems like something that's tough to talk about. Then I explained to them that no, it actually, it's a really great conversation. It, there's, it goes a lot of different ways. You know, sometimes you can have jokes on it. It doesn't all have to be dark, but in most situations, it's it's just it's great to just open that door and then have those conversations. And it makes me feel better after, and then it really makes me uh, key in on what the most important things are in my life. But yeah, um, I think having that, having you know, a page that helps people understand, like, hey, it's okay to ask me about my dad. It's okay to, you know. Um, this is a way you would maybe if 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 you don't know how to approach someone who's had a loss, these are the questions that you can ask them or, or this is uh, more appropriate than this. So I think that's great. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's another good reason why I started it, too. So you kind of hit on all those reasons. What kind of feedback have you got from strangers on that? Because that's the beauty of Instagram is you can get followers from all around the world and they can share their stories. They can you know, send you private messages and stuff. And I find that one of the most unique things and one of the most beautiful things that I've seen just through like our, our uh, Instagram page is that you, you get to meet people and, and hear their stories that you never would have heard. And sometimes it's great to also hear that you're making an impact. So what kind of stories and feedback have you got from other people? People like reach out and they want to talk to me and they want to be friends. And we just have connected on a different level. Cause I think when you lose someone, you just want to talk to people who get it. And I looked at different people. Like when I, when my dad did pass away, I remember thinking of people that I wasn't necessarily friends with, but I remembered that they had lost, you know, a father or a mother or someone. And I realized that they were still alive. So that was kind of my goal. <laughs> okay, they're alive. I think I can make it through this thing. And did you ever look at other people's Instagrams for encouragement along your way before you started your own account? Not really, which sounds, it's weird. I didn't really which I totally wish I would have because I just think, which sounds so dumb. I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? Because it would have been so helpful to have people who just get it, you know? And you, like you said, you can kind of um, have those jokes that people don't necessarily understand because they kind of think you're being, I don't know, too dark, but you're not dark. in your mind. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, we we end up laughing a lot on this podcast for some reason. <laughs> but, right. Uh, yeah. People who are grieving aren't, they don't have to be dark and grim. I mean, there's lots of emotions and ranges and grief. I mean, you can look, think about a, a story of your father and, and laugh because, you know, he had those moments of, you know, being a funny guy. Exactly. Stealing your pudding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm, pudding this is mine (laughs) (laughs) so dumb that's funny and so i'm curious along the way have you had any dreams of your father yeah i feel so lucky too to have so many dreams and i have um weird dreams that he's just like randomly there where i'm like that's weird but then i have some very significant dreams right like some dreams where I'm like, that was kind of silly where he just like showed up. But then dreams that, you know, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll hurry and write it down or write it in a message so I don't forget. So it's as fresh as it can be. Um, so I've created like my own little dad dream journal where that's where I write all of his, the the dreams that I have about him. That's so cool. I like that. And were you interested in dreams prior or no? Um, A little. Definitely not as much as I am now because I I have noticed they're more significant now. But I would also say my husband, he's a big dreamer. Like he he talks about lucid dreaming and making sure that we can, we can be aware when we're dreaming and realize that we're dreaming. So that's really helped me too to be a, a better dreamer, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, and you have someone that supports it. So it doesn't like push it to the side yeah. or say you're crazy or, or, you know, when you have someone that supports what you do or in any, anything, you end yeah. up talking about it more and doing about it more. And I think it's, it's great that you're having, you know, some of these dreams and some are different than others. Have you seen that change over time or are they still, you get these significant ones and you also get these random ones? Um, it's, it, yeah, I've definitely seen it change over time. I feel like the first couple, maybe the first year they were very uh meaningful and significant and yeah maybe deep I don't know just how to explain it and then here and there I'll just get you know like kind of random dreams but then there will be like every couple of times there'll be a dream where it is more impactful and it's interesting to see because sometimes I have a dream about him where I know he's he's gone so I'm just experiencing him for a little bit if that makes sense and other times I'll have this dream so I have these like two reoccurring dreams like that situation where I know he's not here but I have this moment with him and then the other one where I know he's going to die so I have to like cherish this moment with him in the dream oh wow that's really interesting that you continue to have those two themes even being aware that the individual's dead or said like you don't both of them it's really the same theme you don't have like time right like it's going to be short i do remember like one specific dream where i came to in my dream and i realized oh i'm dreaming i should ask him like where did he go what's it like does he know that like does he miss us like we miss him so i was trying to ask him all these questions and i remember i told him like yeah, you've been gone for two years, which is a lot of time in my life. You know, like that's a big amount of chunk of time. And he, I remember he said back to me in my dream, oh, that's like, 
really? It's been that long? Like he was shocked in my dream. Like, really? Wow. It's no, no time at all. That is interesting, right? Like to think about time. And he said, like, it seems that you're, you're spiritual in a way. And so like, is time different? So did you like question that or did like you sit with that a little bit? Definitely. But then he doesn't answer me like in the dream. He's like, eh. just like how he is, you know, which makes me mad. I'm like, just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So he's still playing his games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's funny. So when you look back at like, say, all your dreams, um, what's probably the, the most meaningful one for you for whatever reason um i would definitely say the one i had the first after he passed away so that night was one of the most significant ones um to me just because obviously you're living this nightmare when someone dies and then it's hard to even sleep so the fact that i did fall asleep is a miracle i think and then yeah, I had this dream where I woke up in my dream, but it was one of those dreams where you wake up in the same place that you fell asleep. So it doesn't feel like you're dreaming, if that makes sense. Um, and I woke up and I I walked outside into like our, our living room and he was just sitting there just like on a chair looking at our TV, but our TV wasn't on. And I remember thinking, oh, okay good like he didn't die like that was like he didn't die okay like I was so relieved um and I remember he was sitting there and my my mom walked by and he was like you're so beautiful he was telling her how beautiful she was and he just kept saying that and then for some reason I realized this that I was dreaming and that you know he actually had died and so that this was a moment that I needed to kind of ask like ask him questions so he was sitting down I got down on my knees right in front of him and I'm pretty sure like I grabbed his face so that we could have this moment where we were looking at each other you know and so I I looked at him and I remember saying like hey you've you're gone we don't know what to do this is like a really hard hard thing that we're going through um and he kind of looked at me and he like had his smile on his face, which of course made me mad because I was going through something so hard. Um, and he's like, no, you guys actually kind of left me. And that was kind of the end of my dream. So like, I don't know what that means. I, but it kind of brought me a little bit of comfort, you know, just realizing in my, in my beliefs and what I believe in, like, this isn't the end. And Hope I'll be able to see him again. But it's interesting that he said, you know, like you left me. So that's always been like the most significant dream to me. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of things in there I want to sort of talk about. And the one was um, complimenting your mom. So is that something that he used to do all the time that you saw? Yeah, especially huh. right before he passed. He was. Oh, so grateful for her because she did so much for him, you know where he would just be sitting on the couch. And I remember that, like, I'd be like, oh my gosh, mom treats you so well. She's so nice to you. And he would just smile like, I know. <laughs> but yeah, but I definitely do remember him just, yeah, sharing those things about how beautiful my mom was and how lucky he was to have her. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's the beautiful part. It's like his personality was still shining through on that. Yeah. Aspect, you know, and it, it seemed like a very comforting thing, a comforting dream to have, especially soon after loss, which sometimes isn't the case. And then, then he had that sort of like kind of weird answer, right? Like <laughs> it puzzles me too, right? Like at all the things he could say, why would he give you a smirk? Well, probably because that's who he is, <laughs> right? And then, <laughs> but, but then to answer that question or to say that comment that you know you guys actually left me, I'm like, what? What is that all about? And, you know, as a, if you're spiritual and, you know, you believe that, you know, the soul exists and they're there with you, I kind of can sort of wrap my head around the statement as if like he never left, right? So he's still there, but in your minds, he's gone, right? And so it's almost like the little thing of, you know, that's what grief is grief like especially in the beginning we, we feel this sense that they're gone forever even if you're spiritual or not that's the impact because you can't see them anymore and then over time you can develop that continuing bond and um and can develop those those spiritual tendencies or ideas but in the beginning that's what hits you it's like they're there they're not there and so maybe that's you know maybe that's part of it i don't know right but it's a very interesting statement to make in that dream given everything that was going on yeah and it's interesting too like even me getting down i just felt like a, a little kid in my dream you know trying to just be this small child and he was this i don't know but yeah it is really interesting to think about because he did like to growing up even just like kind of leave us with if we asked a question he would ask us a question back <laughs> never answer <laughs> So it's part of his personality too. That's interesting. Yeah. So the answer, <laughs> so that's, that thing it actually makes more sense and maybe why he would. Because some people like would have dreams where they say, oh, I love you or I'm not there. Or like, you know, like, they give you that kind of thing. And, and so like it's part of that personality that's shining through. So you don't really know what's going on <laughs> inside, right? Inside the mind. And so, you know, maybe that's all it's about, right? To really reflect who he was and how he would have answered that in waking life yeah mm -hmm. that's cool no I, I really uh am excited that you you started the dream journal and you're writing those dreams down um have you sh shared those dreams to your sister and, and family at all or have they had their own i'm just curious yeah um oh my gosh so yeah i definitely shared this dream because it was it was so you know close to home and obviously the day after so that brought us, I think, all to tears the next day that I shared it with everyone. Um, and I share with them some dreams, but not all of them, because like I said, some of them are just almost, you know, just kind of silly. Um, and my sisters, they, and same with my mom, they'll have kind of that same thing where he'll, he'll just be there and it's kind of weird that he's there or they'll try to have a conversation with him. But I think my mom really wants to have more dreams of him, and she wishes that she could have more dreams of him. Yeah, that's uh, the mystery there, right? Especially those meaningful dreams, not the weird ones where they were, you know, in the background doing whatever, but like those one-on-one -on -one moments. And then you know, that's, you know, kind of, even in my life, you know, after the first maybe three, three years, they started to diminish significantly. And now, like I think my last one was two years ago. Like they had that one-on-one kind of moment, and it, it's you know those things that you know you miss. 
and you you definitely want more and i wish there was a way to have more you know but as of right now there's not so the best we can do is just talk about them and maybe that will trigger it yeah because almost sometimes you feel guilty if you're the only one having them <laughs> yeah you almost don't want to share them because then like they may get jealous right yeah exactly you're like sorry i don't know why i get to have this and you're not mm -hmm. and that's part of the grief journey i think that's one reason why a lot of people avoid talking about the subject of grief dreams is because of that same reason not everyone will have them as frequent and some may not have them at all and how do you how does that play a part of their grief journey now you said like it's a part of your mom's in the sense of wanting more and, and not being able to have them and then how does she understand that and that's you know like some of the research that i did looked a little bit at that question but those are the those are some of the issues that people just haven't recognized when it comes to grief and i think you know be able to talk about them and have these have this podcast or any kind of thing on grief dreams really opens the window to say like not everyone does but there is treasure in other people's dreams and that's the one thing is trying to get that i try to sort of point people towards is that Hearing other people's dreams of your loved ones can be very enriching because you can take them as your own. You really can in the sense of the imagery and understanding what that meant to that person and that that bond is still being continued in, in one way or another. And to sort of take it, you know, to whatever you want to take it as, but the memory is still alive in a certain way. Yeah, that's so well put. So you have any questions, Sean? No? All right, we'll head out to the last question that we always love to do is if you could have a dream tonight of someone i'm guessing it'd be your father that has died um, what would that dream look like uh, i think yeah where from the very beginning i can realize that i am dreaming and so that i can gather my thoughts quickly and you know ask all those questions of what have you been doing where are you what's going on are you aware of you know, things going on in our life. And I think just having a conversation, because that's what I miss the most. So just having that connection where, you know, he's responding back to me like he used to. I think that would be like my ideal dream. I don't even know where we would be, but it would just be about connection. And really, really like he used to? You're not going to get any answers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, maybe it would be that he would have to answer every question perfectly. <laughs> I think it'd be funny if uh, you brought him some tapioca pudding. <laughs> <laughs> we had a uh, we had one guest on. Uh, I think it was Mary Diaz. She uh, she always used to get these dreams of her father bringing. Was it a pie? Yeah, it was pie. There's, There's some Italian tradition of bringing people pie. And uh, she'd always have a dream of her father doing that, bringing, bringing pie. So, yeah, you can bring some tapioca pudding and uh, have a laugh over that. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't let you eat it. <laughs> you can have more. <laughs> I'm so, I know, so dumb. He doesn't. He doesn't even like it. He just ate it out of, out of spite. Yeah, probably. Though. Was he? Was he? Did he have a sweet tooth? Like, or our favorite dessert? Yeah. Oh, ice cream every night. Ice cream every night. Oh, well, then he got to bring him ice cream. <laughs> Chocolate. Yeah. And where would you want the dream to be located? So, if you could be anywhere in your dream world, what would that place be? 
You know what? Maybe where he is, which isn't a solid answer. Yeah, that's an exciting, uh, I guess, the mystery of where he's at. Mm. Yeah, which isn't a solid answer. Sorry, but that would probably be it. Like, wherever he is, because in my mind, I'm like, I bet he just gets to decide where he is all the time. (laughs) I think he's on top of a mountain made out of ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I like that. What an image. When you fall, then all of a sudden you just get a mouthful of ice cream and then you get back up and you keep skiing. Mm. <laughs> yes, perfect. Cotton candy and ice cream. Oh, that's a great dream. <laughs> that's cool. Well, I'm glad uh, we were able to uh, talk to you and for you to share so much about your own journey because I know I love hearing about it. It's not every day you can ask you know strangers about that and about these questions like in a superstore or just as you're walking so it's it's great for you to come on here and be so open with us and we really appreciate that and you know once again the instagram account is, is doing great and so keep that up and do you have any last words you want to sort of say about maybe grief to the audience yeah i mean i would just say that you take it one day at a time and you realize that you can't compare it to anyone else's journey because everyone's is so different and so unique so just be patient with yourself and try your best to live your life the best that you can. Excellent. Yeah, wise words. And um, yeah, people can check out your page, Grief Shine, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah I want to actually mention what's with Grief Shine. Let's, uh, let's end with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> grief Shine, because I feel like I have two parts of me where I'm, I'm a big extrovert and I love talking to people. Um, so I'm this happy person, but there's also part of me that's, you know, I'm experiencing that grief. And so those two kind of combined, I, that's why I, I kind of picked that. That's cool. I like it. The mystery's explained. <laughs> I can sleep <laughs> sound tonight. <laughs> Maybe I should explain that more. Yeah. But thank you so much. It's, it is good to talk about the people that you miss and the things that you experience and just connect. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Alexa. And, uh, you know, thanks for coming on. Um, I always like to say it takes courage to do that, to tell your story. Um, That's going to be broadcasted, you know, possibly, well, definitely to the world and to a lot of people. And, um, you know, you never know who's listening and and who can hopefully um, who's who that can help out uh, just telling your story. So thank you so much for that. Um, So for our platform, uh, you can can check out griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. Uh, we added a donation button and thank you to all of uh, you who donate donate if you have facebook you can join the grief dreams group you can share your dreams or hear more dreams of others we are on twitter and instagram at grief dreams and also as always we like to end the podcast with love and gratitude from us to you Introduced myself, you have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.